So we're going to kick off a mini-series now called This Is How I Fight My Battles. So it's good that what Grace was talking about there, about how we, uh, our spiritual warfare and how we fight. And so why this series? This series has been on my mind really for the last, I guess, five months. I'm wondering how to approach it and thinking about the right time and, and thinking when to do it. And just really felt it was the right time to do this series. And the reason we're doing it is because we, we are believing God for increase of joy. We're believing God for increases of hope. We believe God for breakthroughs. We've got so many testimonies of people getting jobs, houses, visas and provision. So many testimonies of people getting healed. We're believing for cultural transformation. We're believing that the church, the church and churches are here for the transformation of SE18 to do the place good and to bring blessing and transformation everywhere we go. And it's just really important to remember that all this breakthrough and progress happens in the context of a real battle. It happens in the context of a real battle. So if you've got a Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11. And I want to read you a verse in a couple of translations. So Ephesians 6 verse 11. And Paul says in this, He says, God is strong, and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of best materials, and put them to use so that you'll be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that you'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and his angels. And then in the NIV, we'll read that translation too. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil and his schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so we're just going to look at some stuff we don't normally talk about, and and we're not going to get all fearful, because actually God says we don't have to fear, and we don't have to get anxious, but we need to recognise that we're in a real battle. And following life isn't like war, life is war. And... We live our lives actually on, a, if you're a believer, you live your life on a battlefield. And there's so much joy and breakthrough in hope in following Jesus. But also when we say yes to Jesus, we're actually signing up to be part of his army in a real battle where he's applying the finished work of the cross and the victory of the cross. He's applying that through his agent, the church, through believers, a body, a family. And so sometimes we find what the writer here, Paul, says, days that are more evil, the, the, the evil day. And it's sometimes uncharacteristic things suddenly happen, or we feel nothing seems to be going right, and we feel, what on earth is going on? And, and when we're facing things like that, this section of the Bible, this series is here to remind us that nothing strange is actually happening. You're living your life on a battlefield, there's a war going on. And Paul wants to say that we're actually equipped 
and we're actually called and we're actually qualified to advance God's kingdom and to bring his reign and rule wherever we go. It's an interesting, read this interesting article this week about a man who says he's never washed, he hasn't washed his hands for 10 years (laughs) because he doesn't believe that bacteria is real. He said, if I haven't seen it, then it doesn't exist. So, that's your right, sir, but it's also my right not to shake your hand. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I hope he doesn't work in a cafe. We won't be going there in a hurry. (laughs) And so there can be that kind of mindset. If I don't see it, then it doesn't exist. And Paul's saying, actually, there's a, there's a reality, there's a spiritual reality, there's an invisible realm reality that's going on. And we're to understand the whole history of the planet, really, that is, there's been this struggle on the planet behind all events of history, behind, on one hand, the good, good Father, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit... And on the other, there's been Satan, the devil, and the demonic forces of darkness. There's been this struggle going on between these forces for all of history. Whilst we're not saying that there's this kind of equal battle going on, that you've got God and then his equal, the devil, and they're kind of wrestling, and sometimes God wins, and sometimes the devil wins. That's not what the Bible says. That whilst... The demonic and Satan is powerful, he's not equal, they are not equal to God. The opposite of the devil is, is not God. Amen. The actual opposite of the devil is probably the archangel Michael. Because Satan is a fallen um, archangel. He's not God. He's not an equal God. And at the same time, we're to understand that whilst these two forces are not equal, the kingdom of darkness is still formidable in its capacity and its power. It's interesting that Adam, Eve, were good and had no sinful nature, and yet could be deceived and duped and tricked by the liar and and disobeyed God. That... Satan was bold enough to come directly to Jesus and tempt him. You know, he's come, he was bold enough to come directly to the Son of God and try and tempt him. He was able to fill men and women with so much hatred they wanted to push Jesus off a cliff. He actually had the capacity to create a demonically induced storm to try and sink Jesus while he was crossing the lake. That's not to say that every storm in life is demonic. It's just that he is a formidable foe and he does have the capacity to use natural things. And Peter says that the the devil is a lion looking for someone to devour. So we're living our life on a battlefield. Life is not like war, it is war. And we're called to advance and called to take territory and take ground and bring more of the kingdom of God wherever we go. That Jesus says light overcomes darkness. And this part of this series is as well to teach us how to pray and teach us how to approach uh, the, the, the battle against the kingdom of darkness. Because 
For example, when you go into a room and it's dark, you don't shout and, demu- and, and rebuke the fact it's dark in a room, do you? You don't start screaming at the darkness and say, darkness, go, I need it to be light because I need to see where I'm going. You actually just go and switch the light on. But Jesus always says that light is stronger than darkness. You don't light a lamp and hide it under a basket. You let it shine so the whole world can see so actually the kingdom of darkness is defeated by the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light, simply by believing believers who actually know their identity and know who they are. But one of his great lies is really the devil, is, is to trick us into the idea there is no war. Because one of the things he doesn't want to do is play the card that it's him. He wants us to be duped into the idea there is no war. So... One of the things we need to remind ourselves as well at the beginning is that there's nowhere in the Bible it says that the devil and his forces promise to leave us alone. There's no promise that says once you become a believer you get taken out of the war and brought into some kind of place where there's just perfect, absolute, no problems, no struggle, no battle. That there's no place it says he's actually wants to leave us alone. In fact, the devil hates God, hates everything about God, and hates believers. And so when we're in a battle, when we're in a struggle, nothing strange is happening. Nothing strange is happening. It's just the reality that this is what's happening on earth, and this is what we're, we're part of. And I think it's an important thing, because one of the confusing things can be that we think this is going wrong and nothing seems to be going right and um, we can feel oh there's so many uncharacteristic things are going on (coughs) has God abandoned me have I done something wrong am I outside his will doesn't he love me anymore has he become unfaithful to his promises Um, but when we step back and say do you know what nothing strange is happening Nothing strange is happening. When I chose to say yes to Jesus, I chose to say yes to the reality that his kingdom is advancing and, and I am part of the agency of bringing his kingdom. Yes. So I think that's so important. Because I think sometimes we get anxious and worried. We think something strange is happening or we rebuke until our rebuker wears out. <laughs> and we need to step back and say, you know what? This was actually part of the deal. This was actually part of the deal. And I was never promised it would be without a struggle. And Jesus said, this day will have enough struggles of its own. But don't worry, I've overcome the world. But there's still stuff in today that I'm wrestling with and pushing and seeing maturity come. The first battleground is actually... Not so much in our circumstances or in the things around us. The first battleground is actually in our minds. That's really where the battle predominantly is. And when Paul talks about spiritual warfare in in, in 2 Corinthians, he talks mostly about speculations and thoughts and talks about divine weapons that have the power to tear down strongholds. In 2 Corinthians 10... He says, though we live in the world, verse 3, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have 
divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. We demolish every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And that's where the battle is really happening, is in our thinking. It's in our thoughts. We have 50,000 thoughts a day. 50,000 thoughts a day, scientists recognise or believe. 95% of the thoughts that we have are on a subconscious level. We're not really aware of them. 70% of our self-talk, the things we say to ourselves, is negative. 95% of your negative self-talk is repeated every day. So you have around about 35,000 thoughts that are negative. And so the first battleground is actually in our minds. It's why we're transformed and we're metamorphosized, Romans tells us, through the renewing of our minds. That's why the divine weapons, Corinthians tells us, is actually to take thoughts captive. It's to change the narrative. It's to change the story we tell ourselves about ourselves, our life, our circumstances and the people around us. It's to battle about the conclusions we come to. It's not about denial of reality. It's about the ultimate conclusion we come to. That's what Numbers 13 is about. When they go into the land, they all saw the giants... But Caleb and Joshua came to another conclusion. They all saw the same circumstances, but two of them came to another conclusion. We can surely take this. They are bread. The others came to another conclusion. We are grasshoppers and they're going to devour us. So it's not about the denial of reality. It's about divine weapons that change the conclusion, change the narrative, change the story that we tell ourselves. It's about the things we speculate on. That negative self-talk can talk speculation. It's not going to work. It's going to be a disaster. It can't work here. So whatever gets our minds is actually the thing that gets us. Whatever gets our minds gets us. Our mind is our greatest gift that we have from God. It's our greatest gift that we have. It's the thing that makes us distinct and in his image. And peace of mind is the greatest asset we have. Peace of mind is the greatest asset we have. And so God, we want to pray even right now that, that God, where what we struggle with in our minds is chemical... We ask you, Jesus, for changing chemical balances in our head. Jesus, where we need, like if say we had a kidney problem, where we need a kidney <coughs> healing, where we need that in our minds, we ask you for serotonin levels, for chemicals in our brains to come into balance. We ask you, God, to do where we need rewiring, where we need a breakthrough in our heads. We ask you for that, Jesus. We ask you for supernatural intervention into our minds and how they work. And we ask you as well, God, where our issue is, fundamentally we just dwell on negativity. 
We ask you even right now for a, a sense of hope and a recognition. I'm not powerless in this. I can change my thoughts. I can be metamorphosized. I can be changed through the renewing of my mind. We ask you for that in your name, Jesus. So, so one of the things is then, one of the strategies of the enemy in this battle is to suggest things <coughs> to our mind. That it's important to recognise that not everything you think comes from you. Not everything you think is coming from God. That's why it's so important to get a grasp of who God says he is. God is the God of all hope. So God will never give you a conclusion that is actually hopeless. He can't do that because he's the God of all hope. He always hopes all things, believes all things. So if you have a thought that you hate and a thought that you wish was not there, it is safe to conclude that that thought does not come from you. So if you have a thought, you think, I hate that thought, I don't want to think that thought, and then you hear a voice that accuses you and says, oh, you must be wicked and terrible because you have that kind of thought, you can quickly dismiss it and say, that thought is not my thought because I hate that thought. So it doesn't come from me and it doesn't come from you, God. That's just the reality. I live my life on a battlefield and life is not like war, it is war. And so you don't go stressing too much about, I mustn't have that thought, I drive that thought away. Because actually, it's like if I said to you now, don't think of a pink mouse, don't think of a pink mouse, don't think of a pink mouse. All you can think about is a pink mouse. And so if you kind of go, I mustn't have that thought, that thought is wicked, I mustn't have that thought. Just acknowledge that thought is not from me, I hate that thought. It will go, I'm just going to relax and decide what can I do today. Lloyd-Jones, in a wonderful book called, he's actually called Spiritual Depression, he, he says in this book, he says, take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they start talking to you. They bring back to you the problems of yesterday. Someone is talking. Well, there's 35,000 thoughts that kick in from the moment you wake up. Someone is talking. In that Ephesians verses, it talks about the schemes and strategies and wiles of the enemy. That he actually knows how to bait the hook for each of us to cause us to digress from peace and joy and hope in God. For example, if you absolutely love justice and you experience injustice at work you will feel that's not fair and he will bait the hook and say that's not fair is it oh you're going to get your back on them and he, there's maybe a cultivation of unforgiveness maybe you start talking about it wherever you go his desire there is to bait the hook with injustice To lead to unforgiveness. And I love what Bill Johnson says about this. Hatred is murder in nappies. Because he wouldn't ever bait the hook with murder. Because we'd see that. But unforgiveness, malice, hatred and murder is a trajectory. Maybe you have a deep desire. None of these desires are wrong. It's right to want justice. And it's right to have a desire, I want acceptance, I want approval, and I want appreciation. 
There the self-talk can be, I'm forgotten, I'm, I'm unseen, I'm invisible, and I'm unappreciated. And so you walk into a supermarket and you see someone you know and you wave and they don't see you and you think, I knew it. I knew it. I knew they didn't like me. Because if they liked me, they would have seen me. And so a speculation and conclusion comes and the little whisper says, yeah, you're, you're, you're not a nice person really and I don't blame them. <laughs> or maybe... You, you are very, very sensitive and you have a deep desire to follow God. And I think this is, this is my baited hook, is this. I am very sensitive to God. I have a deep desire to, to follow God. And my mum said she only had to look at me when I was a kid and I would say sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't really need to be much threat of consequence. And to a very sensitive person who desires to follow God, he becomes... The, the accuser, he makes you overly sensitive and overly sensitive and self-aware. It's a trap to get you to digress and become overly concerned and preoccupied with yourself. Or maybe you're always fearing and speculating about the future, worrying and anxious and never ever at rest. And sometimes we've said things, haven't we? we said, I've just got an anxious personality. Well, what if that's not strictly true? What if you're actually living your life on a battlefield and Paul said, I've not, God's not given you, Timothy, a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound and safe mind. What if it's not you, that you're not necessarily an anxious person? What if there's a whisperer coming who brings a spirit of fear? What if? What if? What if? And what would happen if you just said, you know what? I'm not even going to press against it. I'm just going to trust God and rejoice that he has my life in his hands. And so we're in this battle and we're not terrified, we're not fearful, because we're actually designed to win. And that's what Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 6, that we'd be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armour of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, his wiles, his strategies, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So we're actually designed to win. We're called to stand and we're called to fight the good fight. We're called to resist the devil. We're called to put to death sinful desires. Actually, one of the most powerful weapons we have in our artillery is the power of simple obedience. To do the right thing regardless of feelings, emotions or anything. I'm choosing to follow. I choose to be a child of obedience. I'll submit to God and the devil will flee. I've got divine weapons for pulling down strongholds, arguments and speculations. And so we're living our life on a battlefield, but we're called to overcome. We're called to be victorious. We're called not to be controlled or manipulated or agitated or out of control. One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, is the gift of self-control. And self-control is the capacity, I can tell myself what to do, and I do it. That's to be self-controlled. I'm actually governing myself, or I'm learning how to govern myself. See, what we say we believe needs to make a difference in everyday life. So here we're recognising nothing strange is happening when when things go wrong and maybe there's an evil day or it's difficult, we're not, we're not 
resisting by preoccupation with that, our preoccupation and our focus is upon what I say I believe I really need to see make a difference in my everyday life. Because if I'm in Christ and Christ is the Prince of Peace, but I'm not being ruled by peace, then I don't really trust him in the way I say I trust him. So my real issue is not the fact I live my life on a battlefield. My real issue is I'm full of unbelief and I do not trust him in the way I trust him. Say I trust him. So we can come on a Sunday, we can sing the songs. But when we're faced with speculation, challenge, difficulty, the baited hook and things don't go right. What gets exposed in that moment is... What I say I believe doesn't really make a bit of difference in my life whatsoever. And in fact, all I really am is no different to the unbeliever, but I say I believe. And it's not an issue of am I saved or not. It's an issue of maturity, growth and capacity in in your life. And so it's not condemnation to say I'm full of unbelief. It's great news. Because it's great news to go to the doctor and the doctor says your problem is, but hey, I've got a solution. That's great news. A great diagnosis is great news. It's great news to find out my real issue is, I don't really believe. I've struggled in an area of anxiety and fear for years and at the root of it, I just didn't really trust him to be as good as he says he is. That's great news. Now I know what the problem is. Now I know what the solution is. Mm. Now I've got hope that can be transformation. It's terrible to have a problem, not know you've got a problem, and not know you need a solution. That's bad news. But knowing the truth, having a heart to say, you know what, I want to repent, God, and change my mind, that's great news. And so in the battle, then, the first step is to remember whose side you're on. (laughs) I'm in a battle, life is a, like, not like war, it is war. So if I give in to fear, if I give in to speculation, if I give in to disappointment, if I give in to panic, if I give in to unbelief, if I give in to doubt, I'm actually helping him against me. So the first thing is you just remember, actually I belong to God. Mm. And I don't want to give in to panic and fear, anxiety, unbelief, unforgiveness, bitterness any of those things because that actually helps him against me I'm not unaware of the fact he has schemes techniques, tactics and devices I'm going to engage in the battle by simply being really, really simple and really, really childlike I'm going to remind myself that I am a much loved child that's who I am This is not nice right now. This is painful. But I am a much-loved child. And he will not abandon me. And he cannot abandon me. And he cannot fail to work this together for good and redeem it and perfect me and mature me and grow me. This is going to do me good. I'm a much-loved child. I'm going to simply believe that God is good, faithful, kind and fair. And I'm going to believe that I'm not holding on to him for dear life. I'm actually held on to. 
So I'm not wrestling to get to a place of victory. I'm actually reminding myself I start from a place of victory. I'm not renewing my mind, transforming it so I somehow might get to a place where peace can guard me and keep me. I'm simply reminding myself I'm in Christ. Christ is in me. The Prince of Peace is now holding on to me. And I can know a peace that transcends all understanding. Because that's my starting point, And that's the starting point for every believer. It's preaching to yourself about God and his promised future. Lloyd-Jones in that book, um, Spiritual Depression, says, it is not crazy to talk to yourself. It's actually crazy just to listen to yourself. We have to grab ourselves and tell ourselves off. We have to come to ourselves and argue with ourselves. We have to speak to ourselves instead of listening to ourselves. There's 35,000 negative thoughts going around your head every day. And you get transformed as you recognise them. Become a student of your words. Listen to what you say. So that tomorrow, thousands of those words are going to be transformed. So they become positive and hope-filled and faith-filled. Speak to yourself instead of listening to yourself. We, we have the, the, I used to have to do this by going into a phone box if I needed to and just, I just speak to myself because if you're walking on the street talking to yourself people might think you're crazy they don't anymore because yeah. they think you've got a Bluetooth <laughs> <laughs> no one thinks you're crazy anymore everybody's talking everybody's talking into a, into a phone they don't know if it's on all you, all you need is an earphone that's in your face and you can say anything <laughs> talk to yourself preach to yourself do an altar call to yourself tell yourself to stand up and repent and change your mind <laughs> it's the great thing about declarations they create a track to run on and what you're going to think about co-labour with God through changing your thoughts and your self-talk. Talk to yourself like you would your absolute best friend that you absolutely love. Don't talk to yourself in a harsh, cruel, belittling way. Talk to yourself with deep affection and great love. Mirror and echo the way God speaks to you with love and affection and hope. He's always believing the best about you. Hope endures all things. Hope believes and keeps going. And the last thing for the battle then, in the midst of the battle, practice thanksgiving and rejoicing. It's actually thanksgiving that keeps us connected to the life source that's in Jesus. And this is, of all the practices, thanksgiving, appreciation and gratitude are the, the most powerful thing you can do in a battle is cultivate a grateful heart. Thankfulness, regardless of circumstances, keeps us connected to the life in Jesus. Maintaining thankfulness and gratitude keeps us sane when things are not going well. Again, it's not arguing and saying, I'm so grateful for these awful circumstances. It's finding in it the transcendent reality of how good he is or what you can say thank you for around you. It's thanking so that the conclusion you come to is full of hope 
and full of faith and full of expectation. Anxiety can't breathe or find a landing spot in an environment of praise. So anxiety comes, the thoughts come, the baited hook comes, and it's looking for a place to land, it's looking for a place to stir negative thoughts. But as you're creating an inner culture of thankfulness, gratitude and joy, is looking for a place to land, but it can't find anywhere to land, and it can't find a place where it can breathe, because all it finds is, I'm going to thank God, I'm going to trust God, I'm going to be a child of simplicity, I'm going to recognise that he is good. And be kind with yourself in the process because it actually takes huge amounts of time to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Honestly, my biggest battle in my life is for the battle for thanksgiving and gratitude. There's nothing more I find more challenging than cultivating gratitude. If I do an online test, I've told you before, I am a melancholic, I am Eeyore out of Winnie the Pooh. That, that, that's my natural disposition if I don't go to a war. I can find something negative really easy. So I have to war for gratitude. What's your will for me, God? The will for, the, God's will for me is thanksgiving. God's will for me is gratitude. God's will for me is not about gratitude for the extraordinary. It's for the ordinary. It's for the everyday. It's for the things I easily miss and to be grateful every single moment of every single day. Let's finish with James 1. James 1. So James says, Consider it pure joy. Outrageous joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, that perseverance finishes work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. It's actually the kindness of God to test our faith. Because it's actually in the battleground that our spiritual muscles grow. It's actually in the spiritual muscle, our spiritual muscles of simplicity. I'm a much-loved child. Our simplicity of thankfulness and gratitude is actually in the battle. And it's okay to say, God, this is not nice. And I'm not rejoicing in this. But I'm rejoicing in the promise that you have said that I will be mature, complete, and not lacking anything as I walk through this this trial. And it's coming to that place of saying, you know what, I know that you have a solution. I know that you have wisdom. You give wisdom without finding fault. And we can say, in the midst of this, I am being built up. I am being matured. We... We are only losing if we believe we're losing. So James is saying, you know what, if you have the mindset that I'm losing, I'm falling back, I'm struggling, I'm not going to cope, I'm going to burn out. He's saying that's the wrong conclusion. The right conclusion is I'm going to consider this pure joy. 
because I'm going to be different on the end of this. I'm going to be transformed through this. In him, I've already won. I'm not fighting for a victory. I'm fighting from a victory. I've already, I'm already a new creation in Christ. I'm already a new creature. I'm already loved. I'm already righteous. I'm already forgiven. I'm already adopted. I'm already approved. I'm already accepted. My mind has just got to catch up with this vast reality. And these things that press, these momentary troubles, these trials, these difficulties, these heartbreaks, these moments where it doesn't feel like anything's going wrong, is actually producing in me what I need most of all. It's connecting me to the conduit of heaven. There's a there's, a, there's an electric cable that's being produced called faith that's drawing on heavenly reality. And I'll never be the same again, but I need to go through this. I need to be matured. I need you to knock off me every part where actually I'm unbelieving and I'm disappointed and discouraged. I need you to do a great work in me through this. And so I'm going to count it pure joy because I'm going to believe that through this pain, you are upgrading me through this pain. You are making me complete so I lack nothing. You are actually building the muscles so that I can inherit the promises. You're being kind to me. You've given prophetic promises to me. Now you're bringing me through something that I'm equipped to fight, win and overcome. You're with me. I'm not on my own. Your strength, your capacity, your energy is going to work in me mightily. And I'm going to draw on that. So on one hand, I'm going to be thankful and I'm going to rejoice. On the other hand, I'm going to choose the thoughts that I have about this. And you have promised as I thank you and rejoice... And as I choose my thoughts, these are my two responsibilities. You have promised that in the midst of that is peace that transcends all understanding. You have promised that in the midst of this, I'm going to know the peace of God that transcends all understanding. I'm going to know a peace that doesn't need to know answers or even know how and when. All I do is I... Rejoice, what Philippians 4 is talking about. I choose to rejoice and I choose my thoughts and my conclusions. That's all I'm responsible for. And then right in the middle is the supernatural strengthening capacity of God. I'm going to pray for us. Jesus, we thank you. There is supernatural peace available. There is supernatural peace available. And we want to thank you, God. And we want to thank you, God. The power of choosing our thoughts and the power of practices like gratitude connect us to this powerhouse that's you. And we thank you. You never abandon us. You never leave us on our own. So I ask you right now, Holy Spirit, the Bible talks about you being the friend, to being the counsellor, to being the paraclete, to being the one who comes alongside and giving comfort. We need comfort because we're not in our comfort zone in this world. So we ask you right now for comfort. We ask you for assurance of faith. We ask you for us being fully persuaded of your goodness, (laughs) kindness and commitment to us that we are held on to. We're not even holding on. So I ask you right now for a release of peace in your yes. name, Jesus. Yes. I ask you for peace that transcends all understanding. We ask you for the gift of calm, and we ask you for the gift of rest, and yes. we ask you for the gift of peace of mind That's right, that Jesus. we can lay down our need to understand and be wise in our own eyes and know how to do things. All we need to know is you know. 
And you are good. You know and you are good. You know and you are good. I am loved and you are good. You are faithful and I'm held on to. We rejoice in you, God. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your goodness in our lives. We ask you, God, that the things we believe would make such a radical difference in our day-to-day life. Yes, God. The things we believe would transform the world around us. That, God, we would bring hope and joy and peace and life and solutions everywhere we go. Because we've learned how to connect to heaven's resources, heaven's wisdom, heaven's supply. We ask you for that, that we would overflow this wherever we go. We say to officers and workplaces, let the peace and the wholeness of heaven overflow through your your lives in Jesus' name. We ask you that for businesses and workplaces and schools. We ask you for who we are to overflow and change environments because we've got more than enough. We've got more than enough. Amen. Amen.